Welcome to e-commerce insights, trends, tips, and lessons learned sponsored by Atmosol, a leading e-commerce technology company based in Chandler, Arizona and Dallas, Texas. Each month we talk to e-commerce entrepreneurs, vendors, and experts who share their expertise, experiences, and thoughts about navigating the ever-changing world of e-commerce. Ready to get started? So are we. Join host Ram Mohan and co-host Honey Olson with today's guests. Well, welcome today to e-commerce insights. Just wanted to share a couple of facts. Do you know that there's estimated 12 to 24 million e-commerce sites across the world? And there's more being added daily. So e-commerce is expanding, is becoming a more important part of the consumer experience. So it came up, how does a business choose the best e-commerce platform for their business? That's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, everybody. And if you could just take a few moments to introduce yourself. My name is Ram Mohan. I am the CEO of Appensol. Um, primarily, I do a lot of business level consulting, uh, not so much on the tech side, but I can definitely talk about the business side of things and maybe some of the marketing side of things along with Honey. So that's uh, that's me. Okay, and Tom? I'm Tom Strickland. I'm the solution engineer at Atmosol. Uh, I've been with Atmosol for nine years, and I, I go the other way. I I, uh, I can talk about the technology side of things uh, uh, as far as e-commerce goes. So, so I'm just going to kind of open it up for everyone to, to share. You know, there's a lot of things that come into play when you're looking for an e-commerce platform, but probably the the first thing you, you need to do is understand your own business. So when a business is looking at, oh, I said maybe they don't have an e-commerce site right now, or you know maybe they have, you know, they sell online through Amazon, but now they want to you know go direct to consumer. What are the things that businesses should be thinking about when they go to look for an e-commerce platform? So not just going to, oh, okay, I'm going to go look at Shopify, I'm going to go look at Magento, but what do they need to think of prior to even looking? platform? I think, I mean, if I may start, I mean, uh, from, from a business side, I think the first thing is to set your goals. You know, what are you trying to achieve? So are you trying to, how, what percentage of your business do you expect to be direct? Or, and, you know, like you said, if you're selling on Amazon, if you're selling physically, how much of it are you going to sell in e-commerce? Because uh, the volume, the, the, the volume of it, the, um, the features you need, those kind of things are, are what your goals are really, right? That really drives a little bit of what platform you want to go to because it also has, has impact on cost. I mean, you could, you know, we're, we're going to be talking today about a few platforms, but the, the, the platforms vary from, you know, a few tens of dollars a month to hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? So, or, or even tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds, right? That's one of the first things I think I've seen businesses look at is where do we go? I mean, and it kind of comes naturally where you go. And say if you're a smaller business, you'll probably gravitate more towards towards a Shopify or, or like a big commerce. A little larger, you might go towards some you know, Magento or an Adobe or towards a Salesforce and Oracle and, and others bigger than that. That's one of the main first things I think that'll set you into, it'll automatically set you into a few, into some sort of a bucket where you say, okay, I want to evaluate these three or four versus these three or four, because you know, at some point you're saying, I'm going to sell a million dollars in, in revenue or, or, you know, and then you're going towards a platform that costs you a million dollars. It's not really going to be worth it, right? So that's, that's the thing. The first thing is what are your goals? What are your, what are you trying to achieve at least 
in the immediate future. And maybe in 10 years, you'll, you'll build up a $100 million business and then it'll be worth it. But what is it now? That's, that's the first thing that I ask businesses is, is what, is your, what is your goal? So, I mean, that's just from, from that perspective. And, and I think uh, what, is, what is your goal and what are your resources? And you touched on that a little bit, what the cost of the platform is going to be and everything like that. And certainly the, the cost of the technology itself is, is important to consider. I mean, we've had a lot of people contact us over the years and kind of naively go, oh, I want, I want my website to be like the Amazon of X of this particular <laughs> industry or something like right. that. And it's like, okay, you know, how many hundreds of millions of dollars do you have to throw at this project? You right. know, and they have a budget of, you know, 2,500 or something. But I think the other area that, that a lot of people don't realize is their resources in terms of team. You know, who's actually managing it? Who's going to be handling the day-to-day? Do you have the technology expertise in in house that you need to, or you know how are you going how are you going to strike that balance? Because again, we see people that have a lot of elaborate elaborate plans on how they want to handle not just their commerce but their content on the same site, but then they have maybe a skeleton crew to manage that. And um, obviously, we can we can help with that, but that has to be part of the plan up front. Is is how that's going to be how that's going to be managed and handled. So if a business is looking at branching out now and says starting an e-commerce site, which most businesses should be looking at that now with the way that, you know, everything's going, is there internal things that they should be doing before they reach out to an agency or a platform? Or, you know, maybe it is is better, you know, that they get some like a consultant maybe that could walk them through everything that they need to think of prior to even going to someone and saying, okay, let's build this. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of other parts of the business that most of the merchants that we work with do have figured out, but some don't. And it's not necessarily part of an e-commerce platform. It is something more underlying. I think the big part is inventory management, um, catalog management. Having an understanding of what your product catalog looks like in the first place. Is it actually SKU-based? How do you handle offline orders already? How do you handle tracking the inventory and everything like that? Because if you don't have that figured out for your offline, for your brick and mortar, it's going to be impossible to to run your e-commerce business alongside something that doesn't have that structure in that organization. I do think that yeah, that that getting some consultant uh, consultancy up front help them understand what they need. You know, the, the the stepping stones to get to having the e-commerce platform ready. Now, would that come? Would that be more important? For say someone that's moving from one platform to the other, or be pretty equal even for someone who's never done ecom. I think it's a different set of problems if they're if they're migrating from one platform to another. Um, if they're new to e-commerce, there's there's going to be a lot of organizational requirements that they're just not aware of. Where I find uh, is for people that move from one platform to another, they've especially if they've been on that platform for years. They have a lot of assumptions of, oh, this is just how e-commerce works. This is just how it works and, and not understanding the, the particular quirks of the platform that they might be coming from or the one that they're going to. That's why when we, when we have those, those first conversations with, with merchants, it's like, what is everything that you do? What is everything you do on the front end and the back end that is more elaborate than just going to a product page, hitting the add to cart button and going to the, going to the shopping cart and checking out what do you do that is more elaborate than that, because we need to make sure that we get you on a platform that will cover all of those things. Right. Stepping back a little bit, honey, I, I, I was just thinking that, you know, even before you go to a platform, I think, like you were saying, goals, but there's also, you know, even though we say that everybody should have e-commerce, 
there is a set of people who probably shouldn't have e-commerce. I mean, that's that's also an evaluation you do, especially when you talk about direct-to-consumer, right? So mm-hmm. direct-to-consumer, obviously being an e-commerce agency, we'd, we'd say, okay, e-commerce, we can do this for you or do that for you. But internally, a lot of people are not ready to ship things by themselves to customers. They don't have the warehouses. They don't have the logistics. Uh, none of that to ship to the customers. And then also there is the, the thing about what is your value of the order, right? So if you are, for, for example, selling small value items, maybe DTC is not for you, right? Because, you know, if you consider all the shipping costs and all of that, sometimes you're not in a profitable business. Or you may just say, you know, I'm not going to sell one item. You know, the DTC is only for bulk, right? I, mean, I will only sell 10 at a time to my direct-to-consumer. Whereas if you're on Amazon, you can you can buy it because Amazon's already got that entire logistics that'll make it happen for you to get there. So, you know, although e-commerce is everywhere and it's catching up and more and more people are buying online, there is a thing to be thought about, you know, is DTC for, for me or not, right? And especially in that area. So sometimes the answer is no. And that's where, you know, your question about the consultant is also important is that somebody who knows the entire e-commerce, who can then go and say, okay, tell me more about your business, right? And and let me see if it's even right for you before you even go and say, okay, I'm going to go to Shopify or Magento or whatever. Right? I mean, so that that's also an important part of that, I think, why you need somebody to come in and consult if you're really new to this. I think a couple of other situations where it's like, okay, well, maybe not just e-commerce, but specifically the shopping cart type of uh, uh, flows that we deal with aren't the right fit is actually going the other direction. If you If you're selling, you know, very boutique or bespoke sort of things where you're literally only making one of this thing or you're doing a lot of custom orders or things like that, um, then it might make sense. It might make sense to have some form of e-commerce in those cases, but not necessarily a, uh, a shopping cart. Like if your product catalog doesn't make sense to like boil down to having SKUs and things like that, then looking at a SKU based uh, e-commerce platform is probably not the, the right direction. Um, and we've seen that too with, with, you know, merchants that might be, you know, is is it a product or a service that they're offering? You know, because right. well, we we sell, uh, you know, we sell shutters for for windows, but it's not like we just have a whole bunch of shutters sitting in a in a back, you know, in a warehouse out back where you know they're cutting every single one, per, you know, custom per each house that they put it on. That's really not skew based at that point. So, okay. yeah, yeah. So, that, that I think yeah, good. No, go ahead. I mean, that I think brings us to to also selecting platforms based on functionality you need, right? right. Like you were, you were touching upon that where you said, you know, uh, do you just need a regular uh, store or are there special things you do? And then you mentioned the blinds, for example, uh, where <laughs> we were actually, I know Tom, you know this, that we were talking to a customer about blinds. I mean, so as we, as we went through that, we realized they could do it, but it's a lot more involved and a lot more, you know, feature specific that you need more features. For example, we were talking about, you know, what if we could, take a cell phone and then, you know, point it at the window and it could measure it, right? And then we went and said, okay, can we do that? And we realized, and then we realized, okay, the, the error in the cell phone is going to be, you know, X inches or X centimeters, and they need more than that. So that's probably not a good idea yet. doesn't mean technology is not developing and it will go there. But I'm, the point I'm trying to make is if you had that, then maybe it's a good idea for them to do that because, Saves them a lot of money right now. I think uh, the person we were talking to, they go and actually take measurements, which is a trip there. You know, they try to combine with sales, but it's still a trip. I mean, if you could buy it online, that's a big savings for them. 
for a person to go there and you know spend the time and 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 do the measurement and all of that. So the, the point I guess is that if you need that kind of functionality, the platform needs to support that. Right? That's where we talk about a, a you know Magento or, or versus a BigCommerce or even a headless and things like that. So yeah, definitely yeah. you know your features in your industry definitely definitely. Uh, yeah. Well, or at the very least, the platform the needs to. Oh, sorry. So no, I was going to say the platform needs to support being able to expand in the direction that you need to do. Exactly, um, yeah. And I think that is the flip side too. I do think there are a lot of merchants that think they aren't suited for e-commerce, but actually are probably a lot closer than they realize. Maybe it is even is like we'll code something custom so that it takes the measurements in, and on the back end, it it essentially creates a custom skew for that order or whatever. And so, yeah, I think there is a other way. There's a lot of companies, I think, that assume that they're not a right fit. And it actually, having a chance to talk to, you know, someone with the expertise of e-commerce and what you can and can't do could could help them out a lot. So, so we've, you know, we talked about, you know, cost and things to look for and things like that. So, Tom, you've already brought up, you know, inventory management, product management, those types of things. What are some other... I would say, you know, big ticket things, things that, you know, they really need to be looking at when they go and evaluate platforms. I mean, we have products obviously is going to be the number one. If you can't get your products on there in the shape, form, and fashion that you need to sell them, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, products, definitely. The other ones I can think are pricing structure, especially if you're doing, you know, B2B or if you're dealing with multiple tiers of pricing or bulk pricing and things like that, making sure that the platform that you land on is going to accommodate that. We kind of already touched on it a little, but inventory management, not just not just that it does manage inventory, but also how, uh, because we, that's, something, uh, that's something that we've encountered recently is that the, the different platforms actually handle when they decrement uh, stock at different points in time in the sales process. And so if, you're, if you already have a, uh, a fulfillment workflow that is set up with a very specific order, if your accounting department, uh, you know, has very specific requirements for how you do, and you land on a platform that has a completely different set of rules, then that's going to be problematic. O- overall, catalog structure and the pricing structures are the most important ones. After that, I feel like largely it gets to your a sliding scale of what's most convenient and cost-effective versus what gives you the most control and how much control do you need over the platform. Yeah, I think that's also a good time to talk about SaaS versus non-SaaS, right? So I, I don't know who are listening here, but you know, so, so SaaS essentially means you don't control the infrastructure, right? Somebody has installed it somewhere on some server, you just use it. And versus, you know, if you're on non-SaaS, then you're actually installing it on a server that you either own or you lease from someone or the cloud or wherever that is. So um, to to your point that there's there's different levels of control you can get from those. I mean, if you are, if you, for example, if you take an example of a Magento, I always tell people, although I've never seen anybody do this, it's open source. You put it on your own server. You can do whatever you want. You can actually change the code of Magento and make it dance. I mean, if you want to, right? Granted, it's very hard to do it, but but that's that's the flexibility you get with that versus, um, you know, you go to a Shopify or, or a BigCommerce. There are other advantages, like scalability, right? I mean, in infrastructure scalability, they, you don't have to worry about, you know, today, usually I get 10 orders a day, but on Black Friday, I'm going to get 1,000 orders. So how am I going to scale my server to handle that much load 
none of your business. Right? That's that's their business. You don't have to worry about it. Whereas if you're if you're hosting yourself, you either have to tell your hosting provider in advance or set up something on the cloud that says, okay, automatically scale these things. Then you have to have the knowledge. I mean, this is also Tommy touched upon is what resources do you have? Or even if you have an agency, are they are they do you have a, a contract and the ability to to be able to do that scaling automatically or or are they watching it? Those are the things that you need to consider too. If you're if you own things, then obviously you need to maintain it, right? So that's uh, also a factor. It's a big factor, in fact. I mean, I know that we've had people who moved from a more flexible platform to a less flexible platform because they were done managing the infrastructure. They wanted to do their business and not manage infrastructure, right? So uh, that's I think one of the other big important things to 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 worry about. I mean, we can talk more about customization itself. You know, Tom, you'll be probably more. Uh, more suited for that in terms of, you know, some platforms allow some customization, others will allow a lot more in terms, especially of uh, user interface and, and what kind of customizations you can do. So maybe that's uh, another thing that you can you can touch upon. Well, and, and, and you know, you're talking about not just customizations, but when you get into customizations, I would want to probably want to touch on the integrations because in some cases, those integrations are also considered customized based on the platform you chose. Yeah, and I think uh, and the integrations and also how the integrations and the customize, uh, customizations work because there are limits to both depending on uh, depending on where where you're uh, where you're sitting at, and I think that is the area where especially the three platforms that we primarily work with differentiate the most um, mm -hmm. is that Shopify and BigCommerce are both SaaS platforms. Magento is you know is uh, open source code. There's the Adobe Cloud as well, but that is still more more like an open code or a hosted sort of solution that versus a SaaS solution, it has some of the advantages of uh, of a cloud sort of uh, thing. But even beyond that, um, Shopify, you could probably argue, you could say, is the easiest to customize on the front end. Big Commerce is pretty close, in my opinion. That's probably the the weakest area for Magento is customization on the front end, mostly because uh, the way that it is built, there is so much control on the on the back end, on the on the code level, uh, where the logic happens, that that has a, a huge impact um, on the front end. There's not as much of a separation of concerns, I think, as there are on the on the SaaS platforms. That's kind of by yeah, their nature. I just have a question in that area, Tom. I mean, when you say it's a uh, you know easiest to customize, is it also? I mean, does it just mean that you can easily customize everything, or is there limitations? Because you know. Easy and flexible customizations might be different. I'm just curious to know what you think about. You now, like one platform is easy, but you can only go so far. Versus, is that the case or not? Yeah, I, I think that is the case. It, it is like I would say non-complex customizations. Like if you want to, you know, if you're wanting to do, especially anything that's purely a visual customization, uh, is is the easiest to do on Shopify and probably pretty close big commerce. If you are getting into uh, into having different functionality that is exposed on the front end, that's where you very quickly hit into, into walls. So when, when, once it starts getting into you know functional changes uh, for customizations, then at that point you're looking at for those SaaS platforms, you're looking at having to have an app integration, um, whether that is from their marketplace or whether that is having a custom app developed. Even what might seem like minor minor changes on the front end. Uh, if the platform itself doesn't provide the data, the information that you need to show that on the front end, then you're looking at custom. You're very quickly looking at custom. So it is easiest for non-complex customizations, but you do wind up hitting a wall at some point. I wouldn't say necessarily quickly, but 
it's not uncommon. So along the lines of talking about, you know, like customizations and things like that, um, it's, I guess, kind of along the same lines is ease of use. So, you know, we talk customizations, that's, that's generally developer. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. someone who understands the code going in and making changes. What about just the end user, the store owner? I mean, is it is it easy for a store owner to go in and set up their own store, or where are they reliant on you know having development help? <laughs> I think that there's two different answers to that. I think for setting up the store, definitely Shopify and BigCommerce are, are going to be easier in that in that case because when you're looking at Magento, I mean, who's installing the code? Who's actually setting up the server that it's running on? There definitely have to be more hands involved in the setup on the Magento side. Funnily enough, this, it, the the second answer, once you have it set up and you're, and you're kind of doing your your daily business, depending on what you're doing, the answers changed from a from a couple of years ago. It used to be that yeah, Shopify and BigCommerce were still probably the the easiest to work with on a day to day sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I actually think, especially if you're doing a lot of content, um, if you're if you're doing marketing content to go along with your with your products and everything like that, or you know putting out a you know putting out help articles or you know blogs or things like that. Um, I think that the page builder interface that Adobe has rolled into open source Magento recently actually in some ways gives it the advantage there because by default with Shopify and BigCommerce, you're basically just dealing with with just a you know a text editor. And so you have a lot less control. That said, you know, that's easily mitigated um, with an with an app that we're very familiar with and that uh, and that we're partners with with Shogun. Uh, that very much levels the playing field. But that is the point at which, okay, well, now you are incurring a little bit more cost because you're paying not just for the SaaS platform that you're on, but you are playing, paying for Shogun to give you that WYSIWYG functionality that you that you want to look at for content. So again, I think it, it ultimately depends on how you're going to be using, which goes back to Ram's original point, is like, what are your goals? Um, and that will definitely inform, it, it becomes very different answers um, for, for the platform. So which one you want based on that. Now, most of these platforms have themes that you know you can you can go out and purchase. I would say, you know, or what would you say is the percentage of use that a theme meets a hundred percent of the need? Like, how often does it meet a hundred percent of the need? A zero, <laughs> I think so. My goal would be uh, like, how much does a theme match eighty percent of the need? Um, I think that that's fairly realistic, and I think that that can happen. You know, maybe. 50 to 75% of the time. I think that that is a thing where for a number of different reasons, uh, going with a going with a theme, a, a pre-purchase theme is a little bit of a hassle-free process on Shopify and BigCommerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because I do think they have a they have a a, a richer marketplace for their themes um, that have still been vetted um, and are usually kept up to date uh, with like their their latest uh, reference themes. Whereas Magento's first-party market marketplace for themes is pretty sparse, and then so going to third parties like Theme Forest and things like that, the quality control is just is just very lacking there. And then when you couple that in with going back to the ease of use for customizing the front end, especially for making minor customizations, which I would say was that that remaining twenty percent usually is fairly minor. It's like, oh, I want my phone number up here in this area, or I want a sticky header or something like that. That again is easier to do on on Shopify and BigCommerce, whereas especially if you get the wrong theme, if you purchased a theme that might look nice, wasn't developed very well, uh, wasn't developed up to you know what honestly Magento has good standards for how you should develop a theme, mm-hmm. 
most people on third-party marketplaces don't live up to those standards. And so if you get stuck with one of those themes that's not built that way, then it becomes very difficult to customize in a reliable way. You might think that you've got it fixed, but then you realize that it breaks on tablets or you go in and change the setting on the back end and suddenly your whole theme is, has lost all of its alignment and everything like that. So, so when a, a business is looking at their branding, their look and feel, how they want things to appear, so the eye, um, and they have very, very specific needs. You know, they've sat with their marketing team or you know, as an individual owner, they've, they've looked and said, you know, this is exactly what I want it to look like. Um, would we at that point recommend that their best bet would be just go with a custom and build it the way they want with their branding as opposed to trying to make a theme fit with what they're looking yeah. for? Yeah, if they have specific requirements, I think absolutely, regardless of the platform, it just makes more sense to, to go, with a, uh, go with a custom design. So, and all of the platforms have their own reference themes. And so that's what we build from. You know, we have some of our own tools and libraries, but starting from that reference theme and doing something custom off of that is the best bet if they have specific needs uh, for their branding, for their, you know, for the look and feel. Um, and that's both for the initial build and that's for going into the future. Um, because it, by building off of the reference theme, that creates the most likelihood that it's going to be future-proof. As you, as this, you know, as you know, Magento versions, new Magento versions come out, or as the platforms Shopify or BigCommerce add in new features, it's going to be that much easier to roll the, that new functionality in if it's been a custom design that's built off of the reference theme. We, we've talked about different things, you know, hosting, um, platform ownership. Uh, the tip of integrations they need, whether it be email marketing, uh, loyalty programs, uh, payments and the shipping, themes, security, those types of things. What if a, a company has done all of their due diligence? They've went through all of the pieces and parts and they have everything solidified and they went and they've talked to multiple platforms and they find out none of them are going to work. What's the point at that? You know, what do they do then? <laughs> they, you know, how do they, what's the next steps? Yeah, I guess, you know, I just want to elaborate on the question a little more uh, is, you know, it's, it's especially there's, there are cases that I've seen where they have a specific ERP or a specific, uh, some system that none of them integrate with. It's an old right. thing, right? So what do you do there? I mean, uh, it's a good question. And, and, you know. Depending on the specifics, it could be, well, maybe you're looking at actually custom product development instead of instead of you know getting an off-the-shelf uh, e-commerce. I think it uh, if if the lion's share of what they what they need to do online is not the normal shopping cart process, if it's something else, then I think it make it absolutely makes more sense for them to look at getting something some custom software developed. Um, and then, you know, it would, whatever that flow looks like, um, you know, you still have, you know, the ability to use Stripe or Authorize.net or you know, these different things so that you can take payment, but it's going to be a completely different experience than, than what they'd be getting on the, you know, in a typical shopping cart style e-commerce. If it is kind of a mixture, like 50-50, then, then you, it, gets, it gets into choices. Um, sometimes it makes sense to still choose a platform that you know you're going to be kind of tying into one way or another. Sometimes it makes more sense that maybe you're running those two different requirements on, you know, separately. And so you have an e-commerce store for, you know, one type of your business, 
and then you have something custom for the for the other type. I think uh, and oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I think, honey, I something that I've I've noticed a lot of merchants struggle with because we're an agency that does support multiple platforms, but there are a lot of agencies that don't. Unfortunately, a lot of merchants, you know, will hear something and will take it at face value that yes, this platform will do that and this platform will do that. So that's where I find people unfortunately get into a lot of trouble is that they'll they'll be sold a bill of goods for a platform that's just honestly not the right fit for them. And sometimes they don't realize that until they're well into the project. So that's one thing that I I'd like that we know multiple platforms and and custom development that that we can help people answer those questions you know, that they might not get answered uh, in other places. So yeah, I mean, and, and you know, this is what I we say internally too, right? Even if you don't build on the platform, at least have enough knowledge about the platform to be able to recommend it, right? So you could, mm-hmm. you know, we've told customers, yeah, hey, this is good for you, but sorry, we don't do that. You know, you should go and find somebody else who who, who does that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But probably this platform will help you, but you know, unfortunately, we can't do that for you. I mean, and that's, I think that's the honest way to run it too. Is that you know, just don't don't stick it to one platform that. You don't know. At least be honest enough to say, you know, I don't know about that. Maybe that'll work, even if you don't know the platform, right? So that's definitely a thing that that's uh, that's important to consider. Is is this whoever you're going to, whether it's an agency, whether it's your internal employee, whoever it is, are they stuck to one platform because they only know that platform? Versus, you know, are there other platforms out there that you should evaluate, even if you don't know it today? Right? So that's definitely a yeah. good point. I think, um, yeah. And I also wanted to bring up that that. To, to your point where it doesn't fit, right? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I look at the businesses now for into the future. So that's where some of the composable architectures are coming out, right? In where you can fit together different systems and you just have a middleware that kind of routes the calls around to different things. Right? So, you know, and one is, uh, you know, one case is where you have an older system, right? Which is, you haven't upgraded. But there's also the other case that you want a newer system right, where you want the best of breed of everything. I want the best of breed of search. I want the best of breed of, of uh, product product management, content management, all of that stuff. So how do you put that together? That's where I think Composable is coming into the picture. Today, there's you know a few people who claim to be the, the Composable, who, who have done a lot of Composable work. Um, but I think in future, Composable would just mean that something that can just route the calls, right? Anybody could do that uh, in future where if you take, so we we also work, as you know, on, on SaaS, right? Which is, we build SaaS products. So we've been doing this for a long time, which is, we call microservices, right? So it's essentially just having a middleware that can route things and, and everything is a separate, um, different, um, you know, independent thing, right? So, so if you wanted to do search, that's done by a service. If you wanted to do something else, that's done by a service. So, and then there's an orchestrator that kind of, you know, pulls the calls around, right? So that's, I think, also the reason why there is this new thing that's coming up around Composable. Um, granted, today's world is quite expensive to go that route. But I think as we go into the future, uh, things will slowly get less and less expensive as more innovation happens in there where, you know, it's not just for the enterprise, but for, for even the middle and maybe even smaller businesses where they can have, the best of breed without having to, you know, uh, to sacrifice or without having to pay a lot of money um, that the enterprises really do. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And I think while it's, while it is right now still expensive, I think it, I think it 
still is going to scale better in terms of cost versus you know what maybe the 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 last big thing was along the same lines, which was headless, because headless was unfortunately even though everything on the back end was you know still microservices and everything, headless itself was kind of monolithic. Whereas I think when you're looking at com- composable and looking at things a little bit more m- modular and interoperable, I think that that by its nature is going to is going to make it at least not scale high because headless the costs for headless just will will scale high so quickly. So I mean, talking about composable and headless and things like that, when you're a business and you're looking at pre-built platforms, whether it be Shopify, you know, BigCommerce, Magento, Salesforce, any of those. Is it cost prohibitive to build your own custom platform for e-com than to use a pre-built? If none of the things work for you, I mean, if I think if none of the things work work for you, then I the question really is: Is it cost prohibitive to sell online at all? Because if if none of the things work for you, then then your only solution is you you need to build something custom. But I think it is it is one of those where. How much? What percentage for you know for your needs right. as a merchant does it does a, a cart um, uh, get get you to that point? Does it get you to that eighty percent point? Does it get you to fifty percent point? I think it, I think that's another one of those sliding skills. I think what I will say is that most people when they start talking about oh well maybe we need to go custom they they don't they don't have an idea of just how not just expensive but complex that winds up right. being. There's there's so much more of an undertaking. So if someone yeah. wanted the next Amazon marketplace, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not we like <laughs> but it's not like running you know, the stores that someone else has already built. You're now responsible for every piece part and you know PCI compliance, mm-hmm. you know, the up on the servers, all that, all that stuff. Well, yeah, exactly. PCI, you can get out, right? I mean, because you can use one of the Stripe or or whatever that you mentioned and transfer over the compliance to them, at least most of it, mm-hmm. uh, 99% of it by, by doing the that. the security but of the platform itself. Definitely. Security of the platform, you're, you're responsible, um, which I think you're responsible even if you go to an open source and host it yourself. I mean, unless you're going to a hosting provider because, um, you know, if somebody hacks into it, no, there's no there's no third party company you can blame. It's, it's all on you, right? Uh, but, but but you know, the, talking for custom e-commerce, the one thing I wanted to say was when you talked about marketplace, right? Amazon marketplace. Now there are players in the market today. You know, I've been looking at other things. You know, what else exists? So there are players in the market who've built marketplaces that you can like a big commerce, a SaaS marketplace where you can you know build your own marketplace on their market. So it's a marketplace for marketplaces. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of marketplace. But anyway, um, point is that they've done that, but they're not yet mature enough for, for most people to trust. Right? So it's like, okay, there's this company who's you know based out of it, wherever they are based out of, and it seems to work well, but are they going to be here? If I do all the stuff on that platform... And it's a SaaS platform. If it was open source, if it was something I hosted, I wouldn't. I would care less because then I at least own it. These guys own it. If they go away, what do I do? All the work that I did, all the marketing I did, all the that all goes away. And now I'm back to square one, right? But there, I'm hopeful that 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 will catch up and and those platforms become mature, and then people's dream of having the next Amazon is possible. I mean, when you say the next Amazon, I can suddenly think of the next Amazon that is more niche oriented, right? Right. So a marketplace for a certain niche where 
Amazon sometimes is overwhelming. I mean, today, for me at least, I don't know, this is a personal anecdote rather than anything else. I go and search something for Amazon. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many. It's, you know, if that Amazon's choice is mostly what I buy. I'm like, I can't look at all these other things. It's, there's, you know, search for one thing. There's 1,000 choices. Who's going to go through all that? But you know what? They're relying on you to choose their choice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, Amazon choice is is changes, right? It's based on a lot of their algorithms or whatever. But but what I I guess I was trying to say is we had a more niche, which were oriented towards, you know, a certain kind of, kind of demographic, kind of person, kind of, um, um, I don't know what else, you know, if you had those, those kind of marketplaces, they could work. The only thing is, like you said, it's a lot of work to put those together and hence those don't exist today. But as these technologies mature, maybe they will. Not to go too far down the, the marketplace rabbit hole, but I think another another thing to to point out for people that are interested in that um, is that I'm, even consider Amazon. Uh, yeah, there's a lot on there. But even the, the, the biggest problem is not that there's a lot. For me, anyhow, the biggest problem is that maybe 95% of the listings are actually like kind of junky. You know, like there's there's some good stuff in there that I actually want, but finding it is almost impossible. Like something as simple as like I was trying to find a new drain stopper for my kitchen sink. And like so many listings, I'll search for all metal drain stopper and I'll look at so many listings and it's, oh, well, the stem is plastic. This is plastic. This is plastic. But I search for all metal. Um, and so like even if Amazon with all of its um, resources, even though maybe it's incentivized to, you know, be, to uh, overburden you with choice, so you just go for the Amazon Basic or whatever. But even with all their, you know, unlimited resources, they still have that much trouble vetting quality results. How is anybody else trying to run their own marketplace going to going to do? It? And I think that's the other thing. People that are trying to look at marketplace, probably the technology isn't even the most complex part of that. I think the I, I think the offline sort of management of how are you controlling your, you know, the vendors that you're working with and and the quality control of all those things. There's a lot beyond the technology that goes into managing a marketplace. Yeah. And and to, to the, the, the last part of that is also the logistics. Amazon is not Amazon because of the website. In fact, the first time I looked at it, I said, that's not very good looking, right? I mean, <laughs> but everybody's used to it now, but their main thing is you can ship it, right? I mean, you, you know, all of these vendors can ship it in two days, which, you know, no one else can give you. And, and that brings me to, Back to our platform comparison, where Shopify is trying to do something like that. They have they have a fulfillment by Shopify. I mean, uh, maybe I'd, I don't know much about it. I know that they have it. Uh, if you guys know something about, it, maybe you can talk a little bit about it. it. Might be something worthwhile for some people to to look at when they're choosing a platform. That kind of demonstrates where Shopify is at that far end of trading convenience for uh, for control, because Shopify. Has started to consolidate a lot, you know. Like the the there's fewer payment options that you can use. I don't know if they've necessarily limited shipping options like that, but they do have their own their own shop pay. They have their own uh, Shopify shipping and uh, and and those sorts of things. So I think if you, I Shopify just makes a lot of sense for very small merchants that have absolutely no customization needs that maybe don't care a lot about what the branding of their e-commerce website looks like, even if they have a lot of branding needs elsewhere that just want things that want things to work and don't want to have to put a lot of, uh, of effort into it. Shopify, since we were talking about marketplaces, I do think like Shopify is almost kind of becoming a transparent marketplace, like an invisible marketplace. 
because they also have their app. The, the shop app ties all of those things together. If you have the shop app, if you go to any store that's on the Shopify platform or use the shop pay or, or whatever, then when you place an order, you'll get a, you'll get a, a notification from your shop app that you placed mm-hmm. that order. And in fact, the, I don't know if, it, if they do cart abandonment through the app, but I do know that they do some, uh, some like remarketing for like yeah. trying to get you to come back yeah. as, as return uh, customers and everything like that all through the shop app. Um, and so I, I think honestly, Shopify solved the problem of everybody wanted an installable app and app, you know, doing custom app development is so expensive. And honestly, even, you know, P- PWAs, while a lot of, there's a lot of value to that, progressive web apps, if you're only going for having those notifications and things like that, again, it, it's probably more expensive than what's in at least like a small business's budget. And so for Shopify, they, they, they've got that on lockdown. It's the best of both worlds. You can just have a website, but because it's Shopify on the back end, you get all all of those advantages that you'd expect from an app, but kind of using the shop app as like a marketplace almost. There's also the other side of it, right? On the one hand, Shopify is doing great things that make it very easy for, for people to do things. On the other hand, I've, I've spoken to people who are worried about how much control they have now, right? So, okay, today you only allow me to make you know certain payments. Tomorrow you're going to say you have to pay through me. Uh, and case in point, I think Shopify is 70%, 60% of the revenue is from that payment more than from the platform itself. So how far are they going to go towards making you stick to them? Um, and, and that's a choice because every time we've had people move from platform to platform to platform, right? they start with Shopify, go to BigCommerce, maybe go to Magento. I mean, how far are you going to, are you willing to trust Shopify will do good for you? Uh, it's a question for many, many customers. I mean, it's not for the small, small startup who's trying to get an e-commerce store out there, probably don't care because, okay, whatever it is, I just need a store out there. Right? But if as you grow a little more, if you're a bigger, slightly bigger store, people start to question, okay, do I want the flexibility to do other things? Or do you want you know Shopify to take away that from me? You know, so so that's that's also a question um to be considered. You know, it's 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 uh, it's both ways, right? Shopify is doing good things, but at the same time, you know, at some point, you know, if I had a better, better rate with with a, another fi- another payment provider, I can't use it because just because I'm in Shopify. Yeah, you're getting to what I was thinking of the dark side of of that that balance between convenience and control. And we've worked with a number of merchants of all sizes and multiple different industries that were on Shopify or wanted to be on Shopify, but but had to had to look elsewhere because. You know, because of the product categories that they're that they're in. You know, they're restricted categories for one reason or another. Either you just can't sell that on Shopify, period, due to their terms of service, or because Shopify's consolidated their their payments, then what you know, somebody that might have been able to use Authorize.net or something on uh, on their Shopify store in the past, maybe can't do it anymore or can't roll out a new store to do that. And so, yeah, I think that is uh, especially for merchants that. Are you know that have a reason to worry about the the nature of the products that they uh, that they sell? That's where we actually see a, a lot of them go the complete other direction and go. Okay, we're going to go, we're going to go Magento. We're going to go self-hosted. In a lot of cases, even if there's advantage in looking at Adobe Commerce, they might still opt for the open source version of it, even though there's going to have to be a lot of additional development that to do, yeah. just because they want to absolutely ensure that they never yeah. run into an oh. issue of losing control of their platform. Yeah. 
Well, and, and that uh, that all kind of rolls back to looking at the overall cost too. So when a merchant is looking at a platform, each platform has different levels. You know, range, like Shopify and BigCommerce, I think they both range from like 29 to 300, depending on the plan you choose. But I think when a merchant is looking at that, they need to look at not just that, but everything that goes with it. So like in the case of Shopify, you can either choose their Shopify payments without transaction fees, or you pay transaction fees if you want to use another payment gateway. You have the limitations of no B2B. Those are the types of things, you know, so like, okay, now I, I know I have this more this payment and transaction. I've got this in SaaS, I've got this. And that's what we're saying is, you know, sit, emergence should sit down and make a list. Have a list of everything that is important for their business. So the must-haves, the should-haves, the wants, the desires, because that will also help when you're when emergence looking at like the budget of you know like building their site out. Okay, what are the things I absolutely have to have right now for my business to work? Okay, mm-hmm. That's what I need to look at. That's the most important. These other things, you know, I really should have them, but I can give a little bit on them. And then you have the, I want to be Amazon. Those are the the pipe dreams, the ones that I want this later. You know, I want the the world to work and revolve around my store. So I think when you, when a merchant goes in, whether they're talking to the platform themselves or an agency or a consultant or even amongst themselves, those are the types of things that I think they need to be thinking about is what are the essentials? And really like stepping back and like thinking through everything. Because I don't know, you know, I can only speak personally, but there's things that I do on a day-to-day basis. I don't even think about, I just do them because they're, they become a habit for me. They're normal. And so then when someone asks me a question, I'm like, I'm not really sure how I do that. Let me, let me think about it. Whereas, you know, we were talking earlier, Tom, about, you know, clients that, that, that come in and then, you know, we're halfway through a build and they're like, oh, but wait a minute. No, I, I needed it to do this, this, and this. Because in the beginning, they didn't break it down. They didn't think uh-huh. about all of their product needs or all the way it has to be shipped or, oh yeah, I have this integration and this integration. I just thought it was going to work. So I think, you know, those are the things that, you know, when looking at an e-commerce platform that merchants really need to like get into the weeds. Yeah. Look at the essentials. That's definitely one of it. And I think barrier assumptions was kind of what you're getting at. And that's absolutely important. And I think, you know, we also have our own our own tools to walk with and walk through merchants with, and we'll do site deep dives and everything. One of the big places where we have to rely on the merchants that we work with to help us understand how their store works is on the back end. You know, how do you do how do you do your shipping? How do, how does all of that work? We're not the ones in their warehouse that are fulfilling those orders. So we we can't have those insights and we have to we have to depend on the merchants to do that. So yeah, they, that's where they really have to think about how they do business looking at a comparison, like, well, how do other people do business? And so now we know that we do it differently. Uh, They have to ask themselves those questions. So, Yeah, you know, since just, um, you know, we're running close to time, but just because this is about choosing a platform, I want to try and see if we can compartmentalize. Who would pick a Shopify? Because these are the three platforms that we know well, we support. I know we can know about Salesforce and others, but keeping it to the platforms that we're supporting in terms of development, if you take a Shopify, BigCommerce and Magento, 
who would go into what? You know, what are some of the attributes that you would think, you know, if you were to define a Shopify customer, a big commerce customer, and a Magenta customer, and granted, it's too much of generalization and, and all that, but <laughs> just for, you know, just, just for people who are listening to this to get a brief idea of the, to, to begin with, right? Well, I, I think it would be easier to say what they wouldn't provide. Wouldn't go into which one. Yeah. yeah. And that so, we, like, we know that there's limitations in variations for Shopify. And you can speak more to that, Tom, than, than I could. If you have simple products, you know, like, and not a lot of, not a lot of configuration and things like that, then Shopify is a safe bet. As you, as your product catalog gets more complex, then you have to, you have to really look at if you're going to hit a wall there. Then we go Magento to open source, that would be more along the lines of people that they don't want to deal with the hosting. They don't want to have to worry about their server. They want someone else to deal with their uptime. Now, there is Adobe Commerce where you know, they, they could go to Adobe Commerce where Adobe now deals with the uptime. Um, but that is going to be on the higher pay-per-month uh, pay range. So that's the, the thing that people would need to look for. You know, if they want more control, but if they don't want to deal with server issues and having to manage all that on their own, even if it is with another company like Nexus or Rackspace or someone who works with Magento, they, they still need to, to look at that. So I would yeah. say anyone who doesn't want to deal with servers or worry about hosting or any of that kind of stuff, open source is probably not the way to go. So that brings us, I guess, to BigCommerce, right? Which is somewhere in the middle. Is that we're yeah. talking about, right? Yep, right. I think so. Yeah, both in both in terms of technology and from what we've heard from BigCommerce in terms of their their policies, less draconian than what we've seen with some of the stuff from from Shopify. Yeah, so BigCommerce kind of lands right in the middle of control but convenience. From attending, you know, from a business perspective, attending different uh, partner events and things like that, you know, I'm I'm also thinking about where they're positioning. I can certainly say Adobe is more positioning towards the enterprise. They are moving towards the enterprise, at least the Adobe commerce part of it. Uh, Magento, of course, is you know open to all. Anybody can use it. But Shopify is on the on the lower side, right? They're not really still trying to. They're, I think they're trying to compete with Amazon. Uh, they want to be the marketplace for the small business, right? So anybody can come and make that and and have the shipping done, have the you know the payments done, all of that done through Shopify. Become the Amazon of the small business, right? So that leaves kind of big commerce in the in the mid range, and and of course the Salesforce and those definitely for the enterprise. Even the pricing is, you know, uh, I don't think anybody else in the in that range want to want to pay that much money. Right? So right. I think big commerce really is coming into the mid range, and if you're a smaller business with lesser lesser catalog, not so complex a catalog, then you can go to Shopify. In terms of customization, both sort of Shopify and and correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is kind of how I think about it. Uh, Shopify and big commerce kind of support the similar amount of customization from the front end. But as you go towards more yeah. more product customizations, that's when you if you might move off from a Shopify to a to big commerce when you're when you're doing more of that in, in the middle. And and those are focused on those areas too, which is which is kind of interesting that you know as a small business, if you go to Shopify, you're going the right way because you know, they're actually focused on that area, right? And and big commerce does a little bit of small and medium. They are focused on both, and they do a little bit of enterprise too. But I think it's more like a bell curve, right? They have some small, some enterprise with the the, the maximum in the middle. Yeah, uh, it'll be yeah, and, the other. And way. if a, if a customer is B 2 B, that's where the limitations really kind of start coming more into play. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, while big commerce does, you know, it does now have a B2B option, there's still some limitations to that option that may not work for all B2B customers. So yeah. if, a, if a customer is selling B2B, of the platforms that we support, Magento, Adobe is still, is still going to be their best bet. Yeah. The other platforms can be B2B, but there's extensions and integrations and additional cost above that that have to be thought and considered. Yeah. Although I will actually say for very modest B2B needs, uh, like to the to the extent of not even having to pay for the B2B tier of any of those platforms, um, I actually think big commerce probably has the edge on that. Um, I feel like the way that it handles uh, uh, its its pricing and its customer groups is, is pretty straightforward. Magento open source does also have that, but the way that it works is just a little bit more complex to, um, to work with. Yeah. yeah, and I know from, again, going back to you know, partner uh, management conferences, I know BigCommerce is really looking to improve on that on that side yes. because they recently acquired a couple of companies in that area who were mm-hmm. extension providers who became native to, to BigCommerce now, and, and they're trying to really uh, push that through in that area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, this is, I think, an important aspect for people to think about when they're going into a platform is you're investing so much money into building that out it's important to understand where that company, where that, especially if you're in SaaS, if you're Magento, okay, it's still open source. It's very dynamic based on a community. Uh, but if you're going to a Shopify or, or, or BigCommerce, any other SaaS provider, it's important to understand where they're going, right? If you're a certain kind of business and they have no focus in your, in your segment, then all the future development, all the improvements are going to go towards that, that area. You know, if you go to an Adobe, for example, you know, uh, if they are focused more on enterprise, which could change. I'm not saying they're always going to be. Then, and if you're a smaller or medium-sized business, then you know you're not getting as much of the value as will the enterprise versus somebody who's focused in that area. So that's something to think about. Not necessarily the highest, you know, the biggest thing to think about, but definitely something worth thinking about. I think. So just to to wrap it up. So thank you, thank you both. Uh, just to wrap it up bring it all kind of back around. So not only do businesses need to think about their businesses and how they run them and the cost of getting into a platform, but also the ongoing. So what is the future of the platform? What is the future of my business? And how do I grow within this platform itself? And, um, you know, if I willingly know that I'm going to go into a platform that may not support me later, having that in mind that, you know, eventually I may have to move platforms. So I would say, you know, just merchants, when you're looking at e-commerce and moving into e-commerce, think about everything. What are your essentials? What are your wishes? What are your integrations? And take a step back and look at your business in great detail before you go find that platform or that consultant or that agency, because the more you're prepared, the better they will be to help you. So thank you, Ram. Thank you, Tom. And uh, we hope that this was informative to everybody. And um, if someone were to need any assistance from us, Ram, what's the best way for them to reach Atmosol? We're all from Atmosol. So, um, you know, you could you could email us at uh, info at Atmosol or I am R. Mohan at Atmosol. Thomas T. Strickland. T. Strickland. It's, uh, it's all... First initial and last name, and uh, honey will be H. Olson at Apple So you can reach out to us, and or we have a phone number on our website as well. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, again, we hope you took away a nugget. Bye. 
thank you for listening to e-commerce insights presented by atmosol we hope you have learned something new or took a nugget of information away to help you as you travel the world of e-commerce until next time keep asking questions evolving your business and learn every day